Hello, everyone. I'm Dominique. And I'm Christina. And we are the Connected in Glass podcast. Every week, we will feature interviews with glass artists who speak to their creative processes and overcoming challenges. These conversations are real and raw. We hope that by sharing these stories, you're able to find some connection and know that you're not alone. We just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. We're super passionate about this project and work for hours every week to bring you this content. So if you'd like to help support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash connected in glass. Also, please consider joining our Facebook group, Connected in Glass Community, where we continue the conversations from these episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Today, we're interviewing Melissa Mazzotta. Melissa is a glass artist based in Seattle, Washington, who has been working with Furnace Glass since 1994. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. So first, we want to know about you. Maybe skip the glass part of your life for now. Tell us what you live, what you enjoy besides glass, and then get us into the story on how you started working with glass. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I have been in Seattle since um, 1999. I actually moved here for a teaching job, teaching glassblowing in a high school. They had just started a program. So I moved out here from Pennsylvania, fresh out of college for my very first teaching job, and I've been here ever since. Let's see, I'm raising two boys. They are currently nine and 11 years old. And I also, aside from glass, I love to weld and I love to box. So I took up boxing about five years ago now. Uh, good way to get out some frustrations <laughs> in life, get some exercise and yeah, have fun. Oh, that's cool. So how did you start working with glass? Ah, uh, so I actually was kind of a little lost soul out of high school and uh, ended up going to my local community college. I actually didn't find the glassblowing program until about a year. In. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was actually going to go to beauty school and become a hairstylist. And on my last semester before doing that, I kind of did the looking through the catalog spin and point and glassblowing came up. So I took this class and uh, this was, I don't know if I mentioned this, this was at Bucks County Community College in Pennsylvania. And uh, I think the first day I walked in there, I was like, this is what I'm doing. And I ripped up my beauty school application and the rest is history. <laughs> I've been blowing glass ever since. That's so cool that the community college had a glass program like that. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting studio. I didn't know any better. So it was great for me. They had one furnace, two glory holes. So if you weren't there early, you got the bench without the glory hole. I remember melting blue Fenton. That's what we started with. So everything I made my first year was blue. Then I think they got enough money to get some clear glass in the furnace. And I just remember kind of scrounging any little scraps of color off the ground I could to, to add to that clear glass. It was pretty neat because they, they kind of taught, I believe it's maybe the Swedish way of blowing blowing solo. So everything I made, I learned to punty by myself, to load, load it into the annealer by myself, to blow by myself, everything. And uh, I remember after working there, doing everything by myself, I 
decided to pursue it and first went to California College of Arts and Crafts, now called California College of Art. And uh, I remember walking in there and they were like, all right, let's pick our blow slots. And they were like, who are you working with? And I'm like, what do you mean? Who am I? And they're like, aren't you going to blow with somebody? I'm like, blow with somebody? What are you talking about? So I, I kind of did my first semester there, how I knew how to do it, which was by myself. And I just remember everyone kind of looking at me like, what is she doing? Why isn't she working with somebody? And I kind of looked at them going, wow, that's so cool. You can get so much more done when you work with somebody. So my next semester, I got a partner and um, man, what a different world that is. <laughs> so you had to like kind of relearn again, huh? Yeah, I, I definitely did. But for the better, but I, I it's definitely very helpful to not feel um, alone, you know, not feel limited if for some reason, you know, your partner can't make it in that day and you have to blow by yourself. You know, obviously I, I'm limited on what I can do, but I still feel like I can do it, you know, so that's pretty cool. Okay, so take us after that, you're in California and then what? Yeah, then I decided California wasn't for me. So I went back to the East Coast where I went to Tyler School of Art. And that's where I got my bachelor's degree. I finished up there. And upon uh, graduating, again, it was like, all right, cool. I got this degree in glassblowing. Now what do I do? Actually, uh, I'll backtrack a minute. My mom, who was a elementary school teacher, kind of talked me into getting my teaching degree as a backup plan. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't want to teach. And she's like, just do it. So I did. And uh, again, so I, I actually graduated with a BFA and a, a teaching degree. So um, I just thought, oh, well, I'm just going to go get my master's degree. That's what glassblowers do, right? And right after I graduated, my mom calls me up. She's like, hey, this is really cool. There's this teaching job posted for teaching in a high school in Seattle. And I'm like, I don't want to move to Seattle. It rains there all the time. Um, but she talked me into interviewing and I did, and I got the job. So I found myself all of a sudden having one month, never visiting Seattle to moving there to start my very first teaching job, having really no clue what I'm doing. So in, in teaching anyway, being that it was my first job. So uh, I did. And, um, like I said, I've, I've been teaching there ever since it was actually the program had just started. And in fact, the first three months, I think of teaching, the studio wasn't ready yet. So I was actually teaching glassblowing without a glassblowing studio for the first three months. That was fun. But then we got the studio up and running and it's been, it's been going ever since. In fact, four years ago now, they actually knocked down the entire school and rebuilt our studio. So now we have a even better glass studio there. Wow. So what's your style of teaching? Like, do you kind of go in and do a demo and then let them have a free for all? Or do you want to just tell us a little more about how you do that? No. Yes and no. I have 24 students and myself, which is quite a bit. I have not been able to secure an assistant. So it's, it's been an interesting uh, road trying to demo to beginners how to work as a team when you don't have a team, <laughs> if that makes sense. So throughout the years, I've been able to kind of build up the program and hopefully get some more advanced students as TAs. I kind of had that all rolling and everything was great. And then, like I said, the school 
decided to knock down everything and rebuild it. So for four years, there was no program. So basically, I, I've kind of been building it from scratch again since, you know, in that four years, we, let's see, we have nine through 12. So everybody would have since graduated and not had glass when we started back up again. So I've relied on my husband, who actually is my assistant, and I've been teaching him to take a day off and come in and help me or past students from long ago who maybe are uh, still in the field to come in and help me until I kind of get the advanced students back in there. But being that it is 24 students and just me, I have to kind of run a tight ship. It's not a free for all. And so we start with the very, you know, we, we probably spend the first month, honestly, on safety, you know, how to hold the pipe, getting in and out of the bench, moving around the studio with that many students in there. And then we start off with just making a paperweight, getting used to spinning the glass, keeping the glass on center, manipulating the glass. After that, we move on to blowing where they learn how to cap a bubble. I, you know, I am very hands-on. I am very, you know, I'll show you how to do it, work as a team. I don't like to take the glass from them and fix it. I like them to learn from their mistakes. So tight ship, but also very hands-on you need to learn this, you need to do it kind of theory. I don't know what your students are like. Are they really serious about it? Like, do they go on and continue doing it? Or I, I do have uh, students who continue on, absolutely. I have some who have gotten back to me years later. You know, they haven't continued in glass, but they appreciate the class. They think about it all the time. They look at glass in different ways when they go to a gallery or a museum you know it's really kind of opened them up to um, appreciating that style of work um and uh, so that i'm really thankful for whether they continue on or not they've they've gained an appreciation for the material as they move on but yeah i've got some some students who have worked and still work for glassy baby chihuly They've worked at the Museum of Glass, gone on and gotten a degree. So all all forms. And what was it like going from not teaching at all to all of a sudden running a program and figuring out how to get it started and be actually teaching these kids? Yeah, a lot of trial and error, (laughs) a lot of learning from my mistakes. It was, you know, it was kind of nice because this was the only program in the school district. They actually put the program into my particular high school, leaning towards an arts magnet high school. They've kind of swayed from that arts magnet idea, but they've been able to keep the program, which is great. You know, I think regardless of, you know, making beautiful pieces of glass, I think it's so important for kids to have something different in the art field something hands-on like that, something mechanical. You know, I personally, I grew up really drawn to art, but not feeling like I could really do art, if that makes sense, because I myself was not very good at 2D arts. I wasn't a drawer or a painter. I felt like I didn't do well at that art form. And it seems like, you know, when you look around a lot of the, the programs, that's what they're geared towards. I think a lot of it's financial, let's face it. It's much cheaper to hand out some paper and pencils than it is to build a glass studio and run it. But, you know, 
kids who, you know, I hear it all the time, Miss Masoto, I'm not good at art. I'm not good at art. And I felt that way too. But now, you know, doing something hands-on and working as a team and being able to problem solve and kind of manipulate this material. And let's face it, I think everything looks good in glass. <laughs> you know, I think every, they're successful at everything they make. I think, you know, I look at that you started off with a, with a molten puddle and you made this object. That's amazing. So giving them that confidence when they don't feel like they're good at art, it's just so important, I feel like. So, I mean, I'm so thankful that this program exists and these kids are able to feel like they can be good at something artistic. And do you feel like you have time to pursue your own line of work and to be creative and use the studio in that way? Or are you mostly in the studio teaching? So I have my own studio at my house, so that's where I make my work the school studio is, is just for school. So I, I don't make my work there. But yes, I have my own studio at my house. I am fortunate enough to have that. So yeah, after a long day of teaching, I do come home <laughs> and extend my day and make my own work. Not every day. Sometimes I'm just done with it. But I try to get in there at least three days a week to make my own work. I feel like I have to. I, I am also a huge advocate in art for mental health, if you call it that. I definitely find myself having a hard time mentally and physically if I'm not creating my own work. So just teaching is not enough for me mentally. I, I need to get my own work done too, if that makes sense. Can you describe your style of work for the people who haven't seen it? Yeah, I kind of have two different bodies of work that kind of keep me saying one of the things I, I found in college is I started taking up ceramics because I really enjoyed the team aspect of working in glass, but I also felt I needed to kind of be able to do things on my own and just put on my music and just kind of focus on one thing instead of the whole crazy aspect of the teamwork. So when I left college and when I moved out here to Seattle, I started taking a welding class at Pratt Fine Art Center in Seattle. And I really loved welding. And I loved that that could take place of ceramics and that I could just put my headphones on and, and be in my own space and, and weld by myself. So I actually created a current series that I'm still working on and have been working on for years called my wall chandelier series, where I weld up uh, these frames and, and even the glass I can do by myself. I make a whole bunch of little glass droplets that I hang on the frames. And so I've got kind of my sculptural work. And then when COVID hit, I started um, a new series, which is what I'm working on right now, which is called my Earthscape series. And those are the vessels that I'm working on. And that was kind of built out of being stuck in my house and just wanting to be outside and wanting to get out and do the things I used to be able to do and, and hike and, and see things. So I wanted to kind of bring the outdoors inside into my space. So the series is just kind of very fun and colorful and kind of abstract landscape based vessels. And I also love flowers. I love flowers. I love them. And so I, I tend to make a lot of vases. And I think right now I literally have one of my vases in every single room. So every room I have kind of a brightly colored vase and fresh flowers and it just it just brightens my mood. So I just started making them in hopes to kind of brighten other people's moods too with them. And can you tell us a little bit on how you make your income? Do you make most of your income through your teaching or do you work to sell your work as well? Definitely both. I do feel fortunate that 
my, my steady income is my teaching job. And so selling my work definitely helps me be able to afford my own studio. I don't necessarily need to sell work to, to put food on the table, but it does help be able to afford to keep my studio running, I guess is what I'm saying. So it's kind of like my teaching job pays for my bills and my food and selling the work helps me put more clear glass in, in the furnace and, and keeping able to make more. And where do you sell your glasswork? Do you just sell it to like friends and people around or do you try to sell online or do you have retail space? All of the above. I've got uh, work out in a couple of galleries. I'm at the Bainbridge Art Museum currently, Gallery One in Ellensburg, Gray Sky Gallery in downtown Seattle. I just recently put work in Altitude Gallery in Montana. I have my own website. I promote on Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm kind of at right now. It's a lot of work promoting yourself. <laughs> and can you kind of describe your creative process? I know you said a lot of it's inspired by landscapes and you aren't really into 2D work. So do you draw things out or are you working kind of from your brain or? Mostly from my brain. Every now and again, I will decide to draw something and then I go, oh yeah, that's why I don't draw. Um, <laughs> but it does help. I, I'm actually more of a list person with a rough sketch kind of thing. So I'm also getting older. My brain doesn't remember things as it used to. So I tend to, to kind of write, write my ideas down and then execute them every now and again, like I said, sketching. But I know a lot of artists are like, you got to sketch, you got to sketch. I just feel like I mess up my ideas when I try to draw them. <laughs> In your personal studios at home, do you ever let the public in or do you keep it completely private since you have to share your space at the school so much? Yeah, you know what? It's a it's a small studio. It's got an 80-pound furnace. It, I have kind of taught private lessons before, but after teaching all day, I have just realized that's just become too much. And I don't really rent it out because it is so small and I tend to want to be able to use it for when I make work. Um, plus uh, the maintenance and the insurance on renting it out would just kind of be a whole nother job in itself. And I already feel like I have three full-time jobs teaching, raising two boys and, and trying to make my own work. So I wasn't kind of looking to add any more to my schedule. So you kind of rolled into my next question. I was wondering, do you, Christina and I aren't parents for a background, but we talk to a lot of moms and they feel mom guilt when they're like making time to be creative. So do you, like, are you really good at saying, I'm going outside to the studio, like leave me be, or do you feel like you have to work to do that? You know, as long as I allow my kids to play video games, they're pretty content leaving me alone. <laughs> they're at that age now. When they were younger, we'd have to find a babysitter in order to be able to work out there. It is definitely one of the bonuses of having the studio at my house. I don't have to find a sitter. I can just say, all right, mom's going to go blow glass right now. And they're old enough. They can be playing video games while we can go out back and work. And they know where to find us if anything goes wrong. It's right there. And actually, my kids have tried it a few times. They like it. Jury's still out on if they're going to pursue it any further. They're still... A little on the younger side, though, you know, they can't really hold the pipe up by themselves yet. 
Uh, so maybe once they can be a little more sufficient in there, they might uh, like it a little bit more, but they've given it a go a few times, but they, they get that mom needs to do this, I think. So it works out right now. It works out. And do you feel like you always have creativity and extra room to like do and make, or do you ever feel burnt out or do you ever kind of go through slumps? I feel like my slumps are more from when I'm not working. If I don't get a chance to get in there, I I definitely feel, I don't want to say, I mean, no, I don't, I have not found myself going, I don't know what to make in a very long time, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I more f- mentally feel drained if I don't get a chance to get in there, if that makes sense. Blowing glass fills your cup. <laughs> it does, definitely. Now, my husband, on the other hand, sometimes I want to work a little too much because he's my assistant so he'll he'll go work a full day and I'm all pumped and ready to blow and he's just like ugh, really tonight it's 90 degrees outside I'm like yeah that's great let's blow but he's a trooper and he knows it's important to me and so he always rallies and and helps me out in there so that's good what's it like sharing your space with your husband so you said like maybe he's not as enthusiastic about it as you can be but does it ever feel frustrating that you have to rely on him for that or you seem to kind of just work it out? No, he's, he's always been great. Um, it's funny though. He is definitely the opposite of me as far as he is a neat freak and I am not. So he will often co- go in there and clean up for me. And I'm like, what are you doing? You don't have to clean that up. I can work around that mess. So it's, it's definitely been a little interesting as far as that goes. Like, I, I feel like it's a difference. Some, a lot of artists tend to be thought of as kind of messy and he, he is just the opposite. He cannot work in a mess. So it's, it's kind of funny that he feels like he needs to clean up before we work. And I'm like, nah, 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 it's all good. <laughs> and how do you price your work? Do you have a formula? That's something I've kind of been working on and I feel like I'm still working on it, you know, and I feel lucky in that I don't necessarily have to pay my assistant. I mean, you know, (laughs) being that he's my husband, I don't have to issue him a check. I kind of deduce, you know, what, what does it cost electrically? And so we run off of propane. So we are able to kind of calculate, all right, the propane bottle costs us this. Here's our electric bill. This is about how much, you know, we've used in color and clear glass. We've had to factor in things like, you know, our, our time, which we're probably a little more cheap with than some people who have to, you know, factor in the rental cost as well. Although I guess rental cost kind of evens out with my electric bill. And uh, I, I don't think I make too much on top of all that. But like I said, as long as I make enough to cover the glass studio running and I can, I can keep doing what I love, I'm, I'm good with that, if that makes sense. I'm not out to make a huge profit. I my kind of motto is I like to keep glass affordable. I want people to be able to afford the art more than have it seen as this expensive thing that they have to save up for. I, I'd really like to, you know, my art to be attainable, I guess. So I definitely want to make sure it stays that way. Do you ever have any struggles with putting your work out there, especially like your large sculptural work or 
Do you ever like feel any sort of way about maybe other people's judgments about that work? No. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> no, not everybody's going to like everything. I don't expect everybody to like everything I make. It's some people love it. Some people probably meh, and that's okay. I don't like everybody's work. I think it's unreasonable to think that it's going to fit in everywhere. And if somebody out there likes it, I'm happy. I like it. And that's kind of, you know, in the end, I make art that I like. And if somebody else likes it, I think that's great. <laughs> if that makes sense. Do you think that you've had any of a different experience being a woman in glass versus if you were a man or do you feel like it is pretty equally treated? I feel like I've been pretty lucky in my path in that I don't feel like when I was in college, I mean, I feel like there was a pretty even balance when I was in college between men and women and we all just had a, a super fun time. And then I kind of went from there to running the program at the high school. So I feel like I was on a very lucky path. I, I didn't have to kind of work my way up in the field like some women have had to. I definitely know that, that that's out there and that's happening for sure. I just feel like I got really lucky to have had the opportunities that I've had and where I've ended up. And what would you say is your definition of success? Or do you feel like you have reached that success for yourself? You know, I, I feel very lucky. I feel like I have been very successful in that I've been able to keep making my artwork without necessarily having to rely on sales. So I feel successful in that. I love teaching. I love being able to pass on my knowledge and my skills to people and make them feel successful at it and make them feel confident at working together and working with this super awesome material and that, and that, that pays the bills. So that I feel very fortunate to have that. Was there anything that we missed that you wanted to talk about or maybe any wise words of wisdom? You know, I guess in the end, my words of wisdom are if, you, you know, in the end, pursue it as, you know, another thing I will say as a teacher, I've had a lot of students tell me, oh, my mom doesn't want me to pursue art because you can't make a living at it or something like that. And I think that that's a shame. I think there are definitely ways you can make a living at it. And if it's what you like and it's what you want to do, then there are so many options for pursuing it that you, you shouldn't let that stand in your way. You shouldn't let you know money stand in your way. Like as yeah. parents, let, let your kids pursue it or like as an individual, don't let them, don't stop yourself yeah. from pursuing something. And you know what? I think that... I am lucky in that my parents were very supportive of my journey. You know, when I, they were, so both of my parents were school teachers. So they were very well supportive. They really wanted to make sure I went and got an education in something. What that was, they were very open to. So when I kind of said, I love glass, they were like, that's fantastic. You should do that. 
but maybe we'll add that teaching degree in there. That was kind of their way of saying, I'm going to support you, maybe have a backup plan, but not in the backwards way of you shouldn't do arts. You're not going to make any money at it. So I, I am so thankful that obviously they did both things because look where I ended up teaching what I love. How, do, how often does that happen? And I'm, I'm very thankful that they were supportive of that because I think that especially with kids, their parents have a lot of, of sway in, in what they're doing. And so if the parent is not going to support um, their journey, they might not end up doing what they love in the end. And I think that's unfortunate. So yeah, pursue what you love, you know, in one way or another, find a way to make it happen. There are so many avenues out there. I think. So, you know, I tell my high school students that all the time, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. I have a whole list of colleges that offer glass blowing. If they're interested in that, you know, you don't, you could major minor. It doesn't have to be all in one basket. There are so many different ways to keep glass in your life. So keep glass in your life. Beautiful. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Connected in Glass. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more information on the artists we interview and for updates on the podcast.